Welcome to the Well Community Church, helping people take their next step toward Jesus together. It's really great to be with you guys. As Kevin said, Rachel and I, when we first got married, we lived just around the corner here in Binbrook, and so it's fun to be back and uh, to be able to, to worship with you this morning and share a message from, from God's Word. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, uh, so if you wanted to uh, scroll there or, or flip to there or turn to your neighbor and follow along, I will read the story. <clears throat> it's a familiar story, perhaps, to some of us, and uh, Mark 4, 35 to 41, a story of Jesus calming a storm one night. So how about I read it, we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll see what the Lord wants to say. Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. It says, On that day when evening had come, Jesus told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took Jesus along since he was in the boat. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And they asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Let's pray one more time and ask the Lord to speak through his word today. Father, we are we're so uh, grateful and thankful for the privilege of being able to worship together as your body, as your family. And Lord, as we turn to your word now for these next few moments, I pray that your spirit would speak to us in a way that only you can. Lord, would you help us to understand a bit more of who you are? Help us to see again the, the beauty of your love for us. Lord, help us to know true peace and a great calm that only you can bring. I pray in this moment, Lord, would you just quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, and, and allow us to hear from you. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do and say as we gather today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I've titled the message today, A Great Calm, A Great Calm. And I wanted to share it um, in part because I need to hear it. And I hope that I'm not alone in it. I wonder if I'm not alone. And part of the reason I need to hear it is because, as you maybe can see over there, uh, Rachel and I became parents for the first time this spring. And our son Arthur was born in April. And nothing has been the same ever since. Parents here know exactly what I mean by that. It's fully amazing and fully exhausting. Um, we are very, very thankful, very thankful. But it has been a very challenging six months for us in a, in a number of ways. That's stories for another time. But all that to say, I've been reminded since, since April 7th, since the day that everything changed, I've been reminded, just in case I had forgotten, how guilty I am of really loving control. 
Is anybody else with me? Not control in the sense of trying to control people, but in the sense of trying to control life. Like, I love when things are under my control, when things are calm, when there's no uncertainty, when I know exactly what to do next, when I know what's coming. In these past six months, that has gone out the window, and there's been so many times when I've been confronted by this reality, hey, you're making an idol out of control. Is anyone with me? This feeling of life is 100% better when I, when I feel like I can do it all. I feel like I'm on top of everything. I think we love that feeling in part because at times it appears to be the way to an inner kind of peace, right? If I can be in control of everything, if there's no uncertainty, then I will feel at peace. But is that true? That's what I want us to think about this morning. Is that the way to know true peace? Or does the gospel, does God's word have something different to say to us today? So kind of two things I want us to look at, consider today. Number one, what is peace really? And number two, how can we confidently know it? What is peace really? And how can we confidently know it? know it. So let's look at this story a little bit more and see what it says about this kind of true calm that Jesus brings. So it begins rather unassuming. Uh, Verse 35, look at it with me. On that day when evening had come, Jesus told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. No big deal, right? They thought we've done this a hundred times. They left the crowd and took Jesus along since he was in the boat and other boats were with him. But then it gets a little bit confusing to me. Verse 37. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. And he, Jesus, was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. By confusing, I mean, Jesus, if you knew that this was coming, why suggest, let's go across the lake tonight? Jesus, just wait till morning, right? Or... If you're going to calm the storm, which we all know that you knew you were going to, why not just roll over in your sleep and kind of like quiet, be still? You know, like kind of like when you snooze the alarm, just roll over and calm it. Because that way, the storm's calmed and no one's freaking out. No one thinks they're going to die. Everyone is calm and at peace, peace all around. Or is it? Or would it have been? Is that the answer, really? No more uncertainty. Is that the answer to peace? That's just no more uncertainty, everything under our control. Because let's think about it for a moment. We know the older we get, we realize more and more that uncertainty in this life is inevitable. It's unavoidable. It's like the, 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 the channel in your TV package that you, you don't really want, but it's just, it just comes with the package. And you're like, I don't want this. Yeah, but it comes with it. You have to take it. Uncertainty in this life is unavoidable. So we have no choice. Some seasons will be more rocky than others. So where is this peace then? Is there a peace that transcends even uncertain circumstances? And I really think Jesus starts to show us right in this moment out on the lake. So the storm is coming up. Jesus is asleep. The disciples... uh, Verse 38, they woke him up 
And they said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? I love the question. How in the world are you sleeping? This isn't just a don't you care that we're going to get wet. This is a Jesus, don't you care that we are going to die? So he got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. I want us to catch something important here, something fascinating. It says in verse uh, 39, Mark says, the wind ceased and there was a great calm, but the disciples were terrified. Did you catch that? Have you ever noticed that before? I used to think this story ended that the wind ceased and there was a great calm and the disciples were at peace, but that's not what it says. The disciples were terrified, seemingly more afraid after the storm had stopped than they were in the midst of it. Why? Well, up until this point, uh, Tim Keller highlights this in his book on Mark. Up until this point, in this ancient time and culture, for every religion, the sea was a cause of great fear. In part because if it got going, if a storm arose on the sea, man could not contain it. The sea was uncontrollable. People feared the sea. Even experienced fishermen and boaters were afraid of the sea. If it got going, it was uncontainable, uncontrollable. And everyone agreed, whatever religious belief you might have had at the time, that only God could control the sea. And so what do we have on this night? We have 12 ordinary men in a boat with Jesus, and they just watched him do exactly that with three simple words, silence, be still. He stopped. He controlled the power of the sea. The storm was over, but the disciples were standing there terrified because they had just discovered someone who was more uncontrollable, uncontainable, bigger than the sea itself. They were in the presence of God, and they started to realize that. What is peace? Here's what I want us to know. Peace isn't a thing to get, a thing to acquire. It's a person to know. Peace is a person to know, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that one of the reasons why Jesus brought them through this situation, when he could have avoided it, he could have stopped it before, is that he wanted the disciples to see this about himself. He wanted to reveal this about himself to them, and I believe he wants us to see it too. I think often, at least in my life, one of the reasons we can struggle to find peace in the midst of uncertain times is because we're really focused on what God is or isn't doing for us. When we can be, we should be, focusing on what is he revealing about himself to us in those moments. Because the truth is, often, when we're in this season, we want to know, God, why aren't you stopping this, right? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you answering these prayers? The reality is, we don't know the question, the answer to that question. But we do know 
that in all of those times, he's showing us more and more of himself. In fact, I think he often doesn't calm the storm but reveals himself because he knows what we need more than the right circumstances in life is we need to know him deeper. Peace is a person to know. There are a lot of things, maybe you've found this in your life, there are many things that you will see and know of God when you're out on the boat in the middle of the storm more than when you would know standing calmly on the shore. And I think often this is exactly what God's up to when life is swirling. He's saying, hey, fix your gaze on me, understand more of who I am, know me deeper. So look at what he revealed to the disciples that night. He revealed himself as to being someone who is worthy of our awe, our adoration, and our worship, even if he doesn't calm our particular storm at the time. Why? Because he alone is the one who can calm it. He revealed himself to be the Lord of all creation. This is a, it's a, a massive point. Notice that Jesus didn't have to stand up and call on some other power, do some sort of incanta- incantation to convince some other force to stop the storm. No, he stood in the boat and he just said, silence, be still. The only one who can stop the weather is the one who created it. And the disciples were realizing, man, we thought we started to know this Jesus guy but maybe he's bigger than we thought. In a word, the disciples were realizing that that, that Jesus, this, this, this special individual before them, was in fact divine. He is God. He is Lord of all creation. Think about it, church. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the same God whose whose spirit was hovering over those very waters at creation in Genesis 1. The same God who brought a flood over the earth and then caused it to cease. The same God who parted the Red Sea, the same God who's caused the sun to stand still. It was that God who stood in the boat with the disciples that night. And the beautiful invitation of the gospel is we can know him. We can walk with him and we can know him intimately. Well, we're going through storms thinking the greatest peace would be if Jesus would just stop this thing. If Jesus would just and the uncertainty. The truth is, we don't have to have everything in our control when we we realize we're standing before the one who does. And I think the disciples were starting to get that on this night. Peace isn't a thing to know, a thing to get, it's a person to know. Do you see that shift? Often it can be as simple as shifting our prayers in those seasons to or away from, hey, God, take me out of this. God, would you make this stop? To, Jesus, what are you up to? What can I know of you? What do you want me to see about you here? I think we can invite others into that as well. Hey, guys, can you pray for us as we're going through this? But pray that we would see more of who Jesus is and and what he's doing here. Help us pray that we would know God more. Peace comes as we stand in awe and adoration of the only one who can calm the storm, even before he does it. Peace is a person to know. Secondly, here's the other piece of good news I want to share with us today. It's one thing for peace to be a person, but it's a whole other thing to have confidence that we can actually intimately know that person, right? Like if, if, if God was fully mysterious and elusive and secretive, 
Well, this wouldn't help us much. It would be like, great, peace is a person to know, and you can't know him. He has a very small circle. But it's a whole other thing to know confidently that we can actually know the God of the universe. And this is what I, I want to remind us of this morning, that we can know him. And the gift of knowing him is secure. You can take it to the bank. And it's a gift not earned by our works, but it's a gift given by his grace. And I believe we can even see it here in the story. Let me show you and remind us of it today. It's actually, there's a hint of it right at the very end. <clears throat> Mark's a pretty good storyteller, I think. And he ends this little story kind of in an interesting way. Um, he'd probably make a good writer on some sort of Netflix show because you want to keep reading, don't you? Look at how he ends the story. The disciples were terrified, and they asked each other, who is this? The story's over. They're like, yeah, who is it? Who is it? Next episode. Like, I don't need you to ask me. Yes, next episode. He leaves this story with this lingering question, who is this? Why? Because he wants us to keep reading. This is a, a powerful story, but we need to understand it in the context of the bigger story, the rest of his gospel, the rest of the Bible. Mark's saying, hey, this is one thing that happened. But it really makes sense when you see it in the full picture of everything that happened. So keep reading. Who is this man? Keep reading. And in order to kind of get us to keep reading, <clears throat> he, he, he frames the story really interestingly, kind of in parallel to an Old Testament one that you might be familiar with. A story of a prophet named Jonah. And Mark is saying, hey, this storm is like another storm, and both of them are pointing to an ultimate storm, the one you really need to be worried about. So think about it, if you're familiar with the story. Uh, here's a quick recap. Jonah, in the Old Testament, was a prophet, a messenger of God, and God called him to bring a challenging message to a wicked people. And Jonah thought, they're too wicked. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. So God said, please go this way, and Jonah got on a boat and literally went the opposite direction. And as he did that, the boat found itself in the center of a storm, out on the water. On the boat was a group of terrified men thinking, we're going to die. Jonah just happened to be sleeping on a cushion in the stern of the boat. Each of the men was praying to their own God to be saved from the uncontrollable sea. And they woke up Jonah saying, we're going to die. You have to get up. In both stories, in the story of Jonah and this story of Jesus tonight, the storm was calmed only because of a miraculous intervention by God himself. The stories are very, very, very similar with one major difference. Jonah realized what was going on. He realized that he was guilty. And so he told the men, Jonah chapter 1, verse 12, he said, in order for this to stop, you need to throw me into the sea. I've caused this. This will only stop if you throw me into the sea. In essence, he was saying, <clears throat> excuse me, in essence, he was saying, if I die, you will all live. Now, that didn't happen in Mark's story, at least not right away. You see, the disciples were afraid that they were going to die that night. But in the bigger picture of the Bible, spiritually speaking, God's word says, we're actually already dead in our sins. That night, this storm that night was just a little shadow, a foretaste 
of the much greater storm that we truly, really need to be saved from, the chaotic storm of our sin and separation from the Father. And, and church, that is the ultimate threat to our peace, separation from God. That was threatening our peace until Jesus intervened. Like Jonah, Jesus threw himself into that greater storm at the cross. The difference, of course, being Jonah was guilty and Jesus was perfectly innocent. But he threw himself into that ultimate storm at the cross, knowing that it wasn't just going to drown us, it already had. And in order to stop it, God himself would need to intervene. Think about those two, those two moments. Think about the disciples standing in the boat, watching Jesus calm the storm. And then sometime later, standing as Jesus is arrested on Easter weekend. And thinking, why didn't Jesus stop the storm of the cross like he stopped the storm in the boat? They watched him unfairly tried and mocked and beaten and hung up on a criminal's cross. And they must have been wondering, why isn't Jesus doing the same thing, standing up and saying, silence, be still, that's enough, this can all be over now. Why didn't he stand and call it all to come? Because throwing himself into that ultimate storm was the only way he could calm it for us. The Bible says that when Jesus died in our place, his perfect righteousness, his goodness, was more than enough to outweigh our wickedness and our sin and bring us back to the Father, restore us to relationship, the thing that we ultimately needed, not because we earned it, but because he earned it in our place. By his wounds, we are healed. Church, you and I, we can know that Lord of creation, that God of the universe, and knowing him is our peace. That's what we're longing for. Even in the midst of the most uncertain and chaotic storms in life, what we ultimately need is to know God, to know his presence, and to be restored to him. Jesus threw himself into that storm for us. I love that um, that story ends with the disciples saying, who is this guy? It's pretty early on in Jesus' ministry. They were still kind of learning, and they... All they could say was, who, who is this? Even the weather is obeying him. And that question kind of lingers. It hangs in the air as you read all through the rest of the Gospel of Mark. And it isn't answered until the very end. At the cross, when it all comes into full view. And the person, interestingly, who answered the question was actually not a disciple, but a Roman guard, a Roman soldier, who was part of Jesus' crucifixion. And in Mark chapter 15, it says that when Jesus cried out his final breath on the cross. And, and, and there was darkness and the earth shook. The Roman soldier looked up and declared, surely this man is the Son of God. Who is this? It's the Son of God. And I was thinking about that this week, those, kind of those two stories together, and I realized my initial question of kind of like, how do we know peace or how do we get peace? That initial question is actually probably the wrong one. The better question is, how do we worship this God who is alone is worthy? That should be my first desire, not how can I feel at peace and how can I feel calm, but my first desire should be, how can I worship this one who is, who is high and above every other authority and name? 
Because church, when that becomes our first desire, as he says in Matthew 6, when we seek first his kingdom, everything else is given to us. When we, when we fix our eyes on Christ and posture our hearts towards worship, peace follows and a great calm follows. Let me leave us with this last just kind of call, an invitation, if you will. It's really the beautiful, simple invitation of the gospel. How can we know Jesus? How can we know this God? Three quick things. Number one, I want you to, I want you to remember, I want you to leave here knowing that you can approach him. You can approach him. Hebrews says that because Jesus died in our place, we can know the God of the universe. Therefore, Hebrews 4, verse 16 it says, approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Or maybe a translation you're more familiar with, approach God's throne boldly. Did you know that? Did you know that you can approach the throne of God with confidence to receive mercy and find grace in your time of need? Can I remind you this week, you have permission in Jesus to come before the Lord and say, Father, I need you. Father, I'm afraid, I'm anxious, I'm lost, I'm hurt, I'm weary, and know that your prayers, as Psalm says, turns the ear of God in heaven. Because Jesus has brought you back to the Father, you can approach him with confidence. Secondly, you can depend on him. Knowing someone means both talking and listening. It means casting your cares onto them and, and hearing their voice. Knowing God is no different. Knowing him means submitting yourself to his authority and humbly saying, Jesus, lead me. I don't want to lean on my own understanding. Lead me. You are my Lord. Can I remind us of how humble and humbling and incredible this invitation is? That you and I can not just know stuff about God intellectually, but we can actually know him and lean on him and depend on him. Maybe you can return to that this week. Maybe you've kind of started to walk in a way where it's like, I'm just going to figure this out. I'm going to grin and bear it. I'm going to push down fear. I'm just going to toughen up and figure it out. Maybe you can come back and say, Lord, no, I need you. I need to depend on you and be confident that you can. And finally, we can adore him. We can worship him for who he is at all times, in all seasons, the one who calms the storm, even if he hasn't calmed it yet, because he alone is the one who does it. When was the last time you stopped to just stand in awe of the majesty and the power of your God? Often the best way to know peace is to worship him, even right there out on the boat in the middle of the waves, to just stop and say, this is crazy, I'm afraid, and yet God is still good, and I'm going to worship him now. I'm going to declare what is true of him now. You don't have to wait for the shore to worship. As the waves get bigger, just make your song louder. Just make your praise louder. Make your prayers louder. Jesus, help me know you. Help me see you. You are faithful. You are good. Because of what Jesus has done for us, church, we can approach God, we can depend on him, and we can adore him. So often we look for peace through control, only to find that it just it slips through our fingers. But there's better news. Peace isn't a thing to grasp, it's a person to know. 
And because Jesus threw himself into the greatest storm that we will ever experience, we can know him. And my prayer is that as we do, we would be a people of peace, a people who know a great calm in our souls, whatever the circumstances. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I, I thank you for the hope that you give us. In this often um, difficult and turbulent life, where we are searching for certainty, we are searching for control, Lord, would you remind us today from your word that we, we can't find it in any place apart from knowing you. Lord, I pray that as we are reminded of this and return to knowing we can approach you and we can depend on you and we can worship you on the waves, Lord, I pray that the result would be a people of faith, a people who know the great calm that only you can bring. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this incredible reminder that the ultimate storm was the one that separated us from you and you covered that for us. Lord, I pray that if anyone here today has never heard that before, Jesus, would you just speak so clearly to them and let them know this is for them too. You died to bring them back to the Father. And that's what we're all longing for. Jesus, I pray that as we leave here, your word would remain planted in our hearts. It would grow down deep. It would multiply. It would be fruitful. Lord, we thank you for your love and your